Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. If you haven't gotten a personal invite, you're going to get one now. We have a great Thanksgiving meal tonight at 6 o'clock. Please, please come. Bring your family. It is a great time of fellowship. It's uh, one of my favorite times with this church, just getting to hang out and eat. Amen? Amen. Well, we are starting a new series today, and uh, I just want to tell you that you are not here by coincidence. God is not a God of coincidence. Um, I want you to know that he knows the end from the beginning. He knew you were going to be here today before you ever had your first day here on this earth. Amen? Did you know that? He knew you. He knew you were going to be here today. You may be here because of some weird circumstances or just by what you think is coincidence, but it's no coincidence. God knew the message that was going to happen today. He knew what you were going to be going through today. And I want you to know that he has an answer for you today. Amen? Amen. You guys are going to have to wake up. I don't know if you all have already ate your turkey. But uh, we we got we to wake up. God's got a word for you today. He's got an answer for you today. And it's so good. And he's the only way. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. So we are here to hear from Jesus today. Amen? Amen. All right, well, we're starting a new series today called Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's the TV show, but forget that. This is Breaking Bad. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross for our sins, once and for all, broke bad. Whatever things that are coming after you, the demonic attacks, the strongholds that want to pull you down, Jesus defeated. Amen. That's a good word, Pastor Paul. Way to go. Man, we, uh, we have just, my children have just gone through um, a, a play at uh, CPAC called um, The Wizard of Oz. And there was one, uh, they did a lot of school shows. And let me tell you, school kids don't get the jokes. They don't know when to clap. It's kind of awkward. Uh, there was one time when uh, Dorothy sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and there was only one time in the whole run of shows that someone didn't applaud during the, at the end of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And it was just like, most beautiful song, most beautiful singer. She just did an awesome job. But when... When someone says something that's uplifting and is God's word and is truth, say something. Move, do something. Don't just sit there like a bump on a log. Let's go. We're alive. We just sang all about it. We're alive. Live people make noises. (laughs) They make noises. So, breaking bad, Jesus broke bad once and for all, and I want you to know there is nothing here on this earth that we face that we do not have the power and the ability and the tools and the resources to overcome. There is nothing, no force on this earth that we cannot handle with the power of Christ. We have been given this power. The problem is, even as Christians, we don't exercise it. We have it, we just don't use it. Amen. I have this power, however, so many times circumstances or even attacks still beat me because I forget who I am. Do you know who my daddy is? 
has won everything. And he's in me. It's kind of funny. My dad is in me. I find that out all the time. I, some, some habits I've tried to break, some things I've tried to get out of, but I can't get away from it because he is in me. As hard as I try. And you know, that's what I want from God the Father. I want him to be so in me that it, I can't keep it from showing. You know who I am because you know who my father is. Amen? But as we start, start today on Breaking Bad, we're going to be taking about eight weeks on this topic. And today is really the foundation of where I'm going with this. Week one is on habits. Everybody say habit. Does anybody here have a habit? Anybody here have a bad habit? Anybody here have a good habit? The, unfortunately, most of the time we think of habits, we just think of bad habits. But there's not just bad habits, there's good habits. There's lots of good habits. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about your habit? Unfortunately, we, we do stuff over and over and over and things that we'd like to get free of, but we never sit down and really think about the habit. We just think about the results of what we're doing and how it must not be good, but we never really think about the habit. Why do you continue to do it? Why don't you stop? These are good questions that you need to ask every now and then. So let me just ask you, what is a habit? And I want to give you a couple definitions because there's a few. Here's one. It's a usual way of behaving. Something that a person does often in a regular and repeated way. But the one that I feel like really describes where I'm going with this series is this. An acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. Anybody just do stuff and you don't know why you did it? You don't even realize you did it, but you did it? Let me ask you this as you think about this. Which shoe do you tie first? I got, I got the same response. Some say left, some say right, and then a, quite a few of you are saying, I don't know. Exactly. When you take a shower or a bath or whatever you do, hopefully you do one. What order do you go in? Have you ever messed up that order and forgot to do something? Have you ever been in the shower and you got out of order and you're like, where am I? What do I do? Have you ever gotten out of the shower and you forgot to wash your hair? Nobody ever do that? I've done it. I hate having to get back in the shower. I feel like a complete idiot. And I'm a very regimented person. And if you throw me off my schedule, man, I have. I mean, alarms go off in heaven. He's off his schedule. He's off his schedule. Somebody make something. We need a miracle. He's off his schedule. But you don't have to think about it. Let me ask you this. Have you ever driven home from work and you don't remember doing it? Have you ever driven to work and you didn't wind up at work, you wound up somewhere else? I've driven my kids to school and made turns that I couldn't tell you what in the world I was doing. My kids start yelling. Oh, oh yeah, that's what I'm doing. What I'm trying to get at is research has shown that the more you repeat something time and time again, your brain function decreases, literally. 
You don't have to think about it as much. When you try something new, your brain goes on overload. Have you ever gotten a new iPhone that has a new OS on it and you're just like ready to go kill something? My wife got a new phone this week and her contacts didn't come through. And I mean, it's like brain, huh? It bothered me. She's like, that didn't bother me. It's because I fixed it. But anyway, does anybody ever have stuff that all of a sudden your brain's just going crazy? Oh, i got to figure this out. i got to figure this out. But then the more you do it and the more you do it, your brain, your, literally your brain function ha- is able to decrease. After repeating, it decreases. You begin doing these things over and over without any thought. Some of the habits that you have in your life, I believe that you probably do them without any thought good or bad well there was a study done on an older gentleman a few years ago his name was Eugene older guy uh, mid-60s had a real health uh, brain event where where he had what was called viral encephalitis and to not get into too much detail here because I'm not a brain surgeon uh, but it was a swelling of the brain and it completely it completely uh, disabled him for a time and they didn't know the extent of the damage and as he began to recover he started to come completely back a lot of times people that have this disease that have this occurrence don't fully come back but it looked like he was coming completely back until his wife started to notice some differences him not remembering certain things and what they determined is they could almost go back to a date 20 years before he could remember everything to 20 years earlier to his childhood but couldn't remember those 20 years, and he couldn't develop any new memory. Couldn't develop any new memory. And eventually they wound up moving homes to be closer to family. And when they moved homes, the doctors told him, said, you're going to have to be really careful because if he gets outside of his house, he could get completely lost and not know how to get back. So they continued to study this, this guy by the name of Eugene. And they were in his house and were, was interviewing him. And let me just tell you, the, the research that I'm pulling from is from this book, The Power of Habit by uh, Charles Duhigg. Fantastic book. It's not a Christian book, but just a fantastic book just on, um, the, it's called The Power of Habit. I have, I've really enjoyed it. But um, they were interviewing him in his home and asked him, how do you eat? Where do you go get food? Where's the kitchen? Sitting in his uh, living room, he said, I don't know. Where's your bedroom? Where do you sleep? I don't know. What do you do when you get hungry? I get up and go get some food. Where is it? I don't know. So after about 30 or 45 minutes of interviewing him, he got up, walked into the kitchen, got some nuts, came back in and ate the nuts. They asked, where did you get those? I don't know. What they started to realize is that out of repetition, out of his wife helping him get to these things, that Habits were forming in his mind, even though they found out that the part of his brain that could develop um, new memories had been completely damaged. Uh, never, he would never be able to form a new memory again. He and his wife would go out for a walk daily. And if ever there was a construction or something wrong with the route, he would get completely lost. But they would go on this walk daily. And one day, she was in the kitchen, he was in the the living room and she walked in there to see him and he was gone 
he had gotten outside. She called 911, called everyone that she could, was scared to death, didn't know what to do. Next thing she knows, he's back in his seat. And he went on that route, went on that walk. He couldn't tell you what his address was, couldn't tell you what his house looked like. But he had developed some new habits, even though his brain could not develop any new memory. He couldn't explain it. The reason I tell you all this is God has created us to be able to, to develop these habits in order to do the things that he desires us to do almost without thought if we will develop those, if we will allow those to be developed. Once you know that you have habits, you have the ability to create habits in your life, the problem is most of the time we do them doing bad habits. Habits do not have to be a disadvantage. Habits can be formed even in Eugene's case, when you cannot even form new memories. And they are subconsciously stored in your mind and repeated without thought. Now, more brain research was done on monkeys where they set them in front of uh, computers with a, a joystick and would see figures. And if they saw certain figures, if they pressed the button or moved the joystick, they would get a drop of juice. And as they watched the brain's activity in the monkey, they realized that the first couple times the, brain's, the, the monkey's brain was just going crazy trying to figure out which one do I press, I want the juice, until finally the brain activity started to lower and they could do it without hardly any thought. They did the same thing with mice and cheese in a maze, and the brains were going crazy trying to find the cheese because they could smell it, but once they learned the route a couple times, their brain activity lowered and lowered and lowered, almost to where it was just at a, a steady state that they could just go and get the cheese, hardly without thinking. So what I want to encourage you today is as we go into these next few topics, the next few weeks, next weeks are our thoughts. And I want you to know that all of our challenges start in our mind. That we can develop good habits, but it takes incredible effort. I want to give you a story about um, a product back in the 1900s called Pepsodent. You guys ever, you guys remember that? Pepsodent in the 1900s. There was this famous advertiser named Charles Duhigg. I'm sorry, Claude Hopkins. Charles, Charles Duhigg is the author. Claude Hopkins was asked to take on a new product called Pepsodent. There was an epidemic of, of people having uh, issues with their teeth back in this day. And uh, uh, an entrepreneur came to, came to this advertiser and said, hey, I want you to help me sell this product. Because he felt like that there was the, an opportunity to make millions. But Hopkins eventually said, no, I'm not going to do it. At first, he said, I'm not going to do it. Because nobody brushed their teeth. How am I ever going to get somebody to brush their teeth? And as Hopkins began to do research, he started looking for a cue and a reward. And Hopkins was one of the first ones, if not the first one, to identify the habit loop. And this is my whole goal today, is this habit loop. And Hopkins was possibly the first one to either invent it or to capitalize on it. And what he found was that you have a film on your teeth. Everybody lick, lick your teeth just for a second. What's funny about this is he, he ran an ad called Just Run Your Tongue Across Your Teeth. And, you know, you, you could say even when I ask you to do it, you may say, I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. He asked me to do it. I'm not going to do it. But if I said, don't think of the color blue, you know, you may be sitting there thinking, I'm not going to rub my tongue across my teeth. And you're like, 
it's, it's just a subconscious thing. I'm looking at all of you, and you all are all going. But what's funny is everyone has it. From the beginning of time, everybody's had that film on their teeth. And you can get rid of it by eating an apple, by running your finger over your teeth, by brushing or vigorously swirling liquid around your mouth. And they proved that toothpaste did not help at all. But it didn't matter. This uh, Charles, uh, I've already forgot his name, Hopkins said it doesn't matter. They've got the film. Pepsodent removes the film. And the brilliance of these appeals was relied upon this cue, and it be, this cue being the tooth film, because it was universal and impossible to ignore. Everyone had it. And he started to realize is that if you have a cue, film on your teeth, if you will provide a routine brushing your teeth, that if there was a reward at the end of that uh, routine, that people would buy it and would develop a habit in continuing to want to get pepsinant because it removes this film. Now, when he, when he first grabbed hold of this product, only about 7% of Americans had a, a bottle of toothpaste, a, a tube of toothpaste in their medicine cabinets. By the end of these ads, over a, a year or so, I don't remember what the date was, 65% of all Americans had it. I don't know if y'all can grasp those numbers, but that's, that's huge. It's going to be huge. That's my Donald Trump impression. But what he developed, what he saw was this cue, this routine, and this reward. And if he could lock into that, people would buy it and continue to buy it. But to go just a little bit deeper into your habits, this habit loop, there is the cue and the routine and the reward. And what happens is that continues. You start to develop a craving. And it is that craving that fuels the habit. It is the craving that you develop that fuels this habit. Your crave for that re reward. And when you get that craving, all it takes is the cue. All it takes is that one little thing to make you think, Ooh, A plus B equals C, I want C, and I want it now. Are y'all following me? The craving is what powers the loop. Now, I want you to see in Psalm 34, 8, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I want you to know that this works on a spiritual level. God created you with this inside to develop good habits, not bad habits. This taste and see that the Lord is good is kind of a reverse look at Hotel California. If you can literally get a real taste of who the Lord is, you're going to get a craving for that taste. And when that craving develops for God, man, nothing can stop it. Think about the habits that you have that you have not been able to break. Do you follow me? If you can get a taste of God, not the church stuff, not going through the motions of church and religion and all that mumbo-jumbo. I mean the true presence of God. If you can get a taste of that, you'll accept nothing else. We've got to get that taste. Now, I want to take it just another step further. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. 
says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Many of you are so struggling with habits that you cannot shake. I want you to know that there is no power, there is no force on this earth. There is no habit too big that the Lord cannot break. Regardless of what you think, regardless of what a hold it has on you. I'm just telling you, the word of God is truth. And if you will walk out his word, he will prove himself to be true. Every time. But you have to walk out his word. You have to walk out his word. This is saying to break out of your habit. But yeah, what about temptation? Anybody here ever been tempted? Say, what do I do about temptation? Okay, let's deal with that real quickly. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. What does that mean? There is somebody, even in this body, that what you're being tempted with has been tempted with. You're not the only one on the planet planet, with your problem. Elijah sat under the tree thinking he was the only one left. The only man of God left. God, I'm the only one. I can't do this anymore. And he showed up and said, what are you doing under this tree depressed? There are others. I've got others. It's okay. Go back. Get back at it. I'm with you. I want you to know the Lord's saying to you, get back after him. Get back after the Lord. Taste and see. You forgot that taste. Get that taste again. No temptation is overtaking you that's not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. You may feel like that's a lie. That's what the enemy does. Makes you feel like that your temptation is so strong that nothing can break it. If Satan can get you to that point, you're done. But the word of God says no temptation is so great that you can't handle it. God does not allow you to be tempted to a point that you can't face that temptation with success. Are you all with me? But with the temptation, he will also provide you with the escape. Not only will it not be so much to kill you, to overtake you, to do you in, but he'll give you the way out. I've got a situation with my family that, uh, you know, that looks impossible. But this word here tells me that he is giving them a way out. There is a way out. I don't know what it looks like. We don't always know what God's way out looks like, but it does say that he will give us one. He is providing you today with whatever hell you're facing a way out, but you got to take it. Do you know the joke that, uh, uh, that there was a huge flood and a guy was stranded on top of his house uh, waiting to be saved and the water kept rising and he prayed, Lord God, save me, save me. The boat came by and said, hey, we're rescuing people. Hop on the boat. No, it's okay. Go ahead. My God will save me. And he keeps praying. The water keeps coming up. Here comes another boat. God, save me, save me. Here comes another boat. We're here to, to save you. Get on the boat. No, 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 my God will save me. Okay. Water keeps going up. And finally, they drop a helicopter and a, a, a ladder down. Save me, Lord, save me. Helicopter says, hey, grab hold. We're here to save you. No, my God will save me. Helicopter leaves. Water rises. The dude drowns. He's at the pearly gate saying, God, why didn't you save me? He said, what do you mean? I sent you two boats and a helicopter. 
He provides you with a way of escape, but you have to take it. You have to take it. You can't just sit in your mess and stay there. Get up and walk out of it. God's giving you a way out, but you've got to take it. Pastor, you don't know how bad it is. I do know that the temptation's not so strong that you can't handle it. You can. You can handle it. He won't let you be uh, more tempted than your own ability to be successful fighting it off. You. This word is for you. Whatever you're facing, you are strong enough. You are the David needing to be equipped with the rocks to go hit the giant yourself and chop the dude's head off. You, not someone else. You, say me. I want you to know that God has a greater, when you get this cue, has a greater routine and reward than anything in this world could ever provide you. The word says we'll still have challenges and storms and temptations, but if we'll follow him, he will provide a response that will deliver great rewards. Mikey, can you, there we go. Researchers have learned that cues can be almost anything from visual triggers such as a candy bar or a television commercial to a certain place or a time of day or an emotion or a sequence of thoughts or the company of particular people. Have you ever gotten around some of your old friends and the old stuff wanting to come back up in you? Have you ever gone back home, back to your, your hometown, and you see the bars or you see the things, the things that just kind of triggered, triggered you, and it's really easy for you to fall back into it? These are cues, C-U-E, these are cues. But I want you also to know that routines can be incredibly complex or even completely simple. Some habits, such as those that relate to the emotions, are measured in milliseconds. Rewards can be from food or drugs that cause physical sensations to emotional payoffs, such as the feeling of pride that is accompanied by praise or self-congratulations. Now, I want to share with you a routine, a, a, a habit that I have formed, um, and it's running. Such a strange habit to have. How could you ever get in the habit of running? Um, but I am. I'm in a habit so much so that I put everything else secondary uh, a lot of the times. Um, don't I? I make sure that I, that I do it. Um, but what are the rewards, the rewards for running? One of them is finishing. There's something funny that happens in my mind and in runners' minds that when you finish that sense of accomplishment, I can't explain it. It's probably the biggest driving force that I have when I run. Even if it's two or three or four miles or it's 13 miles, that sense of accomplishment that I have accomplished something. But another reward I get is a little Debbie or a thing of ice cream or a bowl of cereal in the middle of the night. And I just think, I don't care, I ran. I ran. And if I don't eat it, I'm going to lose weight. And I don't want to lose any more weight, so ooh, double whammy, let's go eat. It is a legit reward that 
really drives me. Habits are powerful, but they're delicate. They can emerge outside our consciousness or can be deliberately designed. So many times they occur without permission, but they can be reshaped and fiddled uh, when you fiddle with their parts. And they shake our lives more than we realize. They're so strong. And in fact, they cause our brains to cling to them at the exclusion of all else, including common sense. Do you hear me? These are the things that habits can do in your life. But we've got to refocus our habits. Let me give you one more example, and I'll close with this. Fast, the fast food habit. You got a family of four, family of six, or I've got we've got four kids, so we've got a, a family of six. But let's just take an, an average um, husband and wife and two children. How many here have a busy schedule? It's hard to cook, hard to cook every night. It's hard to to pull off the family sitting down at a meal, but you're doing it. You're you're doing great, doing awesome. Family's eating healthy, doing well. But something happens. Ball game goes long. Other child has ballet, the other one's got something at school, you've got a work thing, and someone just says, hey, let's stop off at Chick-fil-A. Okay, let's do it. Awesome. So you do it. Eat it. It's good. Everybody feels good. It was great. Man, this is awesome. Got to do this. Awesome. Mom didn't have to cook. Great. Go on. Same day hits next week on a Tuesday. Hey, what about Chick-fil-A? Uh, okay, let's do it again. Next thing you know, you, you've gone from not doing it maybe once a month to now you're doing it once a week until Thursday hits. And then you go ahead and do it again. It's no big deal. Well, we're not forming a habit. Then it's Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, until it becomes Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. You don't even know that it's happening. And what you're developing is a craving, a craving for not cooking, a craving for Chick-fil-A sauce and waffle fries and their lemonade. I love their unsweet tea and lemonade mixed. I love it. I love the pulp and the lemonade. I get to craving it. Don't y'all love a pastor at lunchtime talking about food? Mm. We're almost done. Almost done. But all of a sudden, now you're hooked. Now I want you to know McDonald's standardizes all their restaurants on purpose. They have their people say the same thing on purpose. They make sure that every time you come, you get the same thing every single time. Do you know, when we had, uh, when our children were little bitty, they could identify McDonald's, and we don't eat at McDonald's. But somehow McDonald's had gotten in their brain. They can identify those golden arches. They know it. And they even know what food's there, even though we don't eat there. McDonald's. Do you know that fast food restaurants design their foods sometimes so that the second it hits your mouth, it begins to disintegrate, and it causes you to get a hit of salt and grease as fast as possible to hit your pleasure center so that you will develop a craving for that taste? How many here crave McDonald's hot french fries? I do. Oh, God, they're good. But I've got a problem with McDonald's fries because when they're cold, they taste terrible. 
something that tastes, something, good food typically is good cold and hot. There's something, something in those fries. But what McDonald's has locked into is that habit loop, that cue, that routine, and the reward. Now, as I close, you can't change the cue. Those of you that have maybe a drug addiction or a uh, pornography addiction or an eating addiction, you know, if you've got a problem with chocolate and every time you leave church on the hill you see the chocolate factory, we can't move the chocolate factory. We can't put like a horse blinder on you as you're driving down the road. Don't look, it's a chocolate factory. Oh God, where's the chocolate? But if you could re- if you could replace that when that cue hits with something different. Do you know as a I'll, as a young man I had a real problem with uh, por- uh pornography. Um What's the word? What's the? Profanity. Thank you, God. (laughs) Cussing. Language. Yes, y'all all all know I had that problem. But profanity. (sighs) I'm sweating now. (laughs) And I prayed that the Lord would deliver me from it. And you know what he showed me is I didn't understand this habit loop loop at the time, but he said when you have your thought, when something happens, you stub your toe or someone cuts you off or someone says something that wants to press your button, replace this four-letter word with another word because you're, you're still going to want to react. I'm not, I, can't be, I can't just be a dead zombie, not breathing, not reacting person. I'm a reacting, passionate person. God made me that way, but we need to replace that. Replace that when I hurt myself with shoot. And as dumb as that sounds, that's what it took. And the Lord delivered me miraculously. Now, I still slip up. My kids and my family would tell you I still make mistakes. I'm still completely human. But I had learned that when this happened, don't say this, say that. And it didn't happen overnight. I had to do it over and over and over until now when I do that. It's shoot, usually. Can anyone relate? It is real. What you're facing, whatever you're facing is habit. Your cue is not going to change. You're still going to run into the same people. If your cue is your boss, unless you want to get a different job, you better learn to change the routine. The second you see your boss, you start thinking devilish thoughts. That's where we're going next week, is your thoughts. Take every thought captive. The Word of God says you can. I want you to know that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. You can change this. Tim McLaughlin last week said the easiest part of getting somebody off drugs is getting them off drugs. You can go lock them up in a room for a month, and they'll get off the drugs. It's not easy, but they'll, they'll get off of them. The problem is they'll go home and have all these cues that wants to cause them to fall off the wagon again. We've got to replace the routine because I want you to know that God's routine and reward far exceed anything this world could offer you. Taste and see how good the Lord is. This is where we're going. 
to taste and see how good the Lord is. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that, Lord, what you did on the cross for us, you you forgave us of our sin. Lord, you've cleansed us of our sin if we will just come to your cross and repent. But, Lord, you've given us the power over sin. I thank you that you are equipping us for whatever that we could face. Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to just reveal to us some of these habits that we have and these things that are causing us to really struggle. We just praise you, Lord, and we're just looking, Lord, for you to help us. Help us be strong. And, Lord, to take that lifeboat when it comes by. To take that lifeboat when it comes by because you're sending it. You sent your son to rescue us. Let us receive that saving grace. And, Lord, I thank you. You may be here and you may not even know Jesus, but when we come to the Lord, we come to his throne. And I want you to know if you don't know Jesus, his throne is not a throne of judgment. It's not a throne of guilt. It's not a throne of pain and suffering. It's a throne of mercy and grace. The Lord today is offering you mercy and grace. There are two boats coming by you right now, and it's mercy and grace. Will you take it? Will you take it? I just thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Now just give us freedom this week as we walk out of here. Give us freedom. Let the power of your Holy Spirit be alive in us. And Lord, let us use these weapons of our warfare that you've given us. Because our weapons are not carnal. But they are strong. And they are strong to pull down strongholds. Our weapons are strong to pull down strongholds. Thank you, Lord, that those strongholds are coming down this week. Just pray for safe travel for everyone going for Thanksgiving, Lord. Lord, that we would just be blessings to our family. Lord, that you would just restore relationships and restore families. I just thank you, Lord. We just rejoice in who you are and how great you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.